on average, humans have up to 60,000 thoughts per day, 80% of which are negative. And 95% of our total thoughts, which is 57,000, are repetitious. What are repetitious thoughts? Mental habits. So I found that and I was like, oh, well, that's juicy. That's the science that just proved the validity of my work. Thank you very much. Is that really what you want your life to be? Because your habits give you your life. If your habits suck, so does your life. If your habits are amazing, so does your life. Welcome to the Girlfriend Doctor Podcast. Today, let's just talk about the six habits that really make us happy. What are they? Well, I am Dr. Anna Kabeca, the Girlfriend Doctor, and I am about creating health and happiness and certainly having conversations authentically, shamelessly, and guiltlessly so that we can be our truest, happiest, healthiest self in our best relationships. Today, I'm bringing on a girlfriend named Laura Benedetto, and she is on the island of Maui, and we're going to be talking about the book she wrote, The Six Habits. And um, uh, this is powerful. Laura, as you'll see, is a dynamic, powerful woman. She's a TEDx speaker, number one best-selling author of The Six Habits and Life Mastery Coach. She teaches how to create the life of our dreams without sacrificing what we love. As founder and CEO of Vision Advertising, a company that she built at age 19, she's helped hundreds of entrepreneurs build and grow profitable enterprises entirely on their terms. So today, join us in our discussion. This is really deep and transformative. I share some stories that are pretty powerful and personal to me. I look forward to hearing from all of you. Thank you. Here we go. Welcome, Laura, to the Girlfriend Doctor podcast. Thanks for being here. Coming here from Maui. Truly a pleasure. So good. You know, my oldest daughter, Brittany, will be moving there, uh, back there. She lived there for nine years. So I'm definitely introducing you two to connect. You will love each other. Sounds good. We can go poke around and hang out with sea turtles together. <laughs> Is that your favorite thing to do? I mean, hanging out with nature, if you don't like it, you really shouldn't live here because this is nature at its finest and animals and incredible plant life and flowers and being able to just walk into the jungle and just pluck a beautiful guava right off the tree. Yeah, that's totally my jam. Oh man. Uh, yep. You were two, two peas in a pod. You guys will love each other. So um, <laughs> I'm excited for that. So Lord, you know, right behind you, I see your amazing book, The Six Habits. Will you please talk about like what brought you to write The Six Habits? Sure. As a very accomplished woman, myself and yourself, I think you'll probably relate to this and get this. I am an overachiever. I worked my butt off and I was like, you know what, why retire at like 60 when you can do it at 37 and why, you know, make a little money when you can make a lot and why, you know, why do anything small, right? And what I did is I successfully retired early, made the money, had all the toys, but I kind of had to set myself on fire to do it. I destroyed my health. I basically was at you know, the end of my rope mentally. And I was already in the throes of destroying my new marriage to my husband. And my relationships were fracturing. And essentially, I was at such a crossroads in my life where I was wondering, why did I do this? Why did I sell my soul for all this stuff? And like, what is happiness really? And like, where did I go so wrong? So in the middle of self-loathing and bleeding inside and feeling like absolute death, 
I was just angry. And I, I felt like, well, I did all the work to check all the boxes that civilization and our culture and my parents and everybody else told me to check. Why am I not happy? What, what did I miss? So I started on this crazy research project because I, you know, like most of my life, before we get there, I want to backtrack a little bit. So, you know, just like working nonstop, striving, 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 right? On the hamster wheel, accumulating wealth and great reputation, all of these things. But yet you're like physically, your relationships were struggling, like you didn't have happiness. So what do you think was at the root of that? Um, the root of that was really just always chasing the wrong thing. Like success is great and money is great, but if you chase it for the wrong reasons or if you chase it because it makes someone else happy or because they, you know, they might like you more or your parents will be more proud of you, it's empty. It's a hollow victory. It's a, it's a hollow success. And at the end of the day, who cares how great your resume is? If you're miserable, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when you get to the like underlying reasons that were driving you know, you so strong and drive so many of us so, so hard. Like, what are some of those, those reasons? This is a great question. I'm glad you stopped me to ask these because I feel like we can definitely all relate to this. I wanted to make my parents proud. I wanted to feel like I was good enough. I wanted to constantly escape that feeling of I was an imposter and I didn't deserve my success. And that my friends were all successful and they had impressive resumes and they made loads of money and I was a fraud and they were going to figure me out. And it was, it was a lot of these things and, and just really wanting to feel enough. I, I mean, I shoot, I, I I chased the big house and the, you know, the, the, the great life on paper because I just really cared so much about what other people thought because I always thought that would address what I thought. And I didn't. I always thought that if other people loved me, then I had permission to love me. That's a lie. Mm. It goes the other way around. Oh, very much. Very much. And as a matter of fact, the more you love yourself, the more other people love you. It's not like you really don't need other people's approval. You think you do. And we're all socialized to do it, particularly as women. We are socialized to be nice and beautiful and well-behaved and follow the rules and make sure you shave your legs and be outspoken, but not too outspoken, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And when we're constantly living up to these ridiculous standards of what society wants us to be, we're ignoring our own standards and we're totally neglecting ourselves. I did that. I'm, I'm like totally guilty of it. And I have... Okay, so high five to you, hands both in the air. Like, right? It's just awful. And I am not a mom. I tried to be, it was not in the cards for me. I just couldn't carry a pregnancy to term. So, but I always said that if I got to be the mother of a daughter, I would really be in trouble because I had so many things within me that I was terrified to pass on, like self-loathing. I mean, my mom was on a diet for 40 years because she never felt like it was okay to be 10 pounds overweight because she liked pastries and they made her happy. Like her self-worth was tied to her appearance. And even though she said to me, Laura, you're beautiful, what she did sent a different message and I picked that up. So I too was on a diet for 20 years. And I just realized like, damn, I have a lot of things I need to be 
that are more in alignment with what I truly believe before I can do this. And I don't want to have a child so, so they can spend 40 years in therapy when they turn 18. <laughs> you know? I hear you. I hear you though. But it's so true. These messages, I, I had an experience and I'll share with you. And I haven't shared this before, but I had an experience when I was uh, listening to a pastor, Rochelle, and she's out of Mississippi. And I was listening to her talk and she said, just listen, stop and listen to your little child inside you, this inner child, this young girl that's inside you. When was she told something or what was the message that she received, whether it was real or, or perceived, right? What was the message she received that has set a belief and an untruth in motion for you? And that's when I realized, like, as a, as a young girl, I was... 10 or 11. And my mom was going back to the Holy Land to see her family. And so she took my younger brother with her. And I was like, but wait, I, I love everyone. I've learned, you know, to speak French and to speak Arabic. And, you know, I, I, I never voiced this because he was the youngest. And um, it was more logical that I stay home and, and take care of dad. And, and my older brother was there. My cousin came. So we were, we were set. But I think that was the message. Like I was left behind. Like maybe I'm not worthy, you know, that I was left behind. And so at that point, I mean, really like two years later, I earned enough to buy my own plane ticket. Two years later, you know, to cross the U.S. Another, you know, at 16, I earned enough to um, buy an international ticket to go to the Middle East and uh, to go to Israel and, you know, and Greece. And I had, I think that was the first recognizing that that was just what I received. I made up about it because we could only get, you know, my mom could only afford to take one of us. Right. And so that was, you know, understanding that was really powerful awakening for me. That is like to awaken from that untruth and to be able to, to flourish from it. And so I think that was that was powerful to hear what really getting in touch with sometimes well why why do I do this? Why do I strive so hard? And why is this something that I'm so driven to do? And just to to listen. I'm still driven to travel around the world. I'm still like I can't wait. I was just, you know, after that realization, it just made that oh, okay. Yeah, that interesting striving that I had to do. Yeah. That I thought I had to do, that I told myself that I told myself that I had to do. Well, the reason why you told yourself that stuff and the reason why I told myself all the things that I told myself about how hard I had to work, what I had to look like, et cetera, et cetera, it, it all comes from decisions made with an immature mind that doesn't know how to make good sound like objective, unbiased decisions. It's, it's, the, it's the voice of a child. And a lot of us are actually trapped in the still current existence of the decision that we made as a child. So, you know, I've been doing so much of this work for a long time now, especially since I started like figuring out the book and all the research. But like, when we really start digging in, it's like, how much of this decision was made when I was 10? And how much of this is absolute BS and needs to be reevaluated now because I'm 40. And I give myself permission to not be 10 in my head anymore and make decisions as a more educated, self-loving person with full permission. 
Yeah, no, that's that's a good that's good self-talk there, Laura. That is some good self-talk. I, I I hear you. And that is just to take that pause, right? And just say, okay, let me check in. 10-year-old self, 54-year-old self here. So what's happening? That's good. Good talking about this. I think this is good girlfriend conversation. Well, you are my friend, and this is the stuff that I always talk about because this is the stuff that matters. Like, I know we're new friends, but you already know this about me. I don't like shallow, boring conversations. Like, I just, I want to talk about the things that really matter. Like, you know, what are your dreams? What are your hopes? What do you care about? What are you scared about? Like, what's, what's really in your head and your heart? Because that's really who you are. You know, that's the stuff that really matters, not the weather, you know? I like, what do you care about? What are you scared about? I think that's something to write down too. That's homework for everyone on this podcast. What do you care about? What are you scared about? And that's like, that brings out the passion, right? Well, it does. And we make so many decisions from a place of passion and fear, but more often than not, it's fear. I pursued success because I grew up very poor. We were on food stamps. My dad was disabled when I was a year old. He slipped a disc in his back. The surgery went wrong. The doctor left a clip in his back. They did a myelogram. He got arachnoiditis. It was a whole big bad thing. And my father was denied disability because they thought he was making it up for nine years. So we lived on food stamps and we was poor, really, really poor. And, you know, they did their best. And my mom always dressed well and she always carried herself with a lot of pride, no matter what. But it was a facade because I could see how broken she was inside. And I pursued wealth and all that stuff because of my fear of not feeling safe. I knew my parents would love me, but I wanted them to love me more. And I, but the kids in school always picked on me and I didn't want people to pick on me. I didn't want to feel rejected. So I always did things that made me successful and that made other people admire me. And so I would earn other people's praise and, and earn money and whatever. So, you know, through all the things that I've been through, it was so much of my fear and made, it made it very clear. My life is this way because of what I have run from not because of what I have run toward. And that was the pivotal difference in 2018 when I started doing the research. I stopped running at all. I didn't run toward anything and I didn't run from anything. I just stopped. I listened. I asked questions. And I was astonished with what I saw in myself. Kind of horrified, but the horror is good because then we can actually do something with it. And then then the reframing of everything, that's when we can run toward things. You know, it's totally different. I mean, you know, just having been in sales for so long, I I mean, I sold marketing services for years, right? I'll be the first one to tell you 95% of people purchase things because they are running from the pain of something else. Finding that 5%er, the one that does it for the sheer joy of doing it is rare. It shouldn't be rare. Pursuing our dreams because of joy should not be rare pursuing wealth because of fun and because it's great to have nice things because we can do for others should not be rare. That's good stuff. That is good stuff right there. And I just reminded of the quote, our presence is the greatest present, right? Our being present is also the greatest presence, present. (laughs) It's so true. And then that in 2018, you said, okay, I'm stopping. I'm going to be present. I'm just going to be here. And, and the six habits came to you. Like, this is like really clarifying because six habits out of like, I'm got a thousand habits, right? So six habits. So six, these six, why these six? 
Well, I was asking the questions to myself and I'm really good at asking questions. And I feel like you are, yes, you are. I feel like entrepreneurs are naturally gifted in questions. So are three-year-olds, by the way. Why, mommy? Why? It's true. It's true. Everybody needs to be a three-year-old again. Just ask more questions and better ones. But I was asking like, well, why this? Why that? What the heck is happiness anyway? You know, what, and, and this is actually like one of the pivotal points of my upcoming TED Talk. What do the happiest among us have in common? And I wanted to know what the hell I was missing. So I started doing the research and I was like, well, is it wealth? Nope. Is it good looks? Nope. Is it genetics? Nope. These, are, these help. They really, really help. And they're still not responsible for our ultimate happiness. And I was surprised to discover once I started comparing and doing research with people who are genuinely happy down to their soul, like really radiate that kind of happiness, what do they have in common? It's six mental habits. They're not physical habits like flossing, although I highly endorse that one. Please floss. It's good for you. (laughs) Eat your veggies, get your sleep, blah, blah, blah. Those are physical habits that you can see. The types of habits that I talk about in my book are all mental habits that nobody pays attention to. So you mentioned presence. That is one of the habits. It's a habit to opt into a moment. It's a habit to put your damn phone down and go for a walk and just be. It's a habit to put your phone down and pay attention to the one you love, right? It's also a habit to pick up your phone and mindlessly scroll through Facebook or whatever. And so many of us do it and it has to be a habit to catch yourself. So the habits are all to do with our relationship with ourselves and with life. And mental habits, they're harder to pin down because you can't see them. And half the time, we're not even aware of what we're doing. I hear you on that one, that awareness factor yet again, you know, it's the eyes don't see what the mind don't know. So I, you know, how do you focus in on what those habits are? The research led me down some incredible rabbit holes. I definitely felt like Alice in Wonderland. Let's, let's follow the white rabbit. Let's see where this one goes. Wee, off we go. I mean, I was like a maniacal, crazy person doing this research. It was so fun because I'd never taken on something this big before. All the coffee, all the wine all of it went through my body. (laughs) Oh yeah. And all the post-it notes and wild scribblings with Sharpies and just doing research and like interviewing people. And it was so fascinating. And to be able to like, I, I had this massive like pile of behaviors and then I started looking for patterns and it's like, huh, well, happy people do this. They think this way, they do this, they do this. Huh. And I started seeing patterns and, you know, I feel like this gift of this knowledge was given to me because I'm a big mouth. I don't mind being on stage and I am joyfully able to give this to other people. I went through hell to get the wisdom and now it's a joy to give it to others. And being able to figure out it, you know, the the it, the thing I'd been looking for for 40 years. Oh my God, that was amazing. I was like, I can stop looking. This is so cool. And it has nothing to do with money. Like, you know, I'll tell you what the six habits are. So there's kindness to ourselves. That's a habit. And acceptance of ourselves. And you've got gratitude, like not just 10 little bits before bed, but like literally radical gratitude, even the crappy stuff. Presence, like you said, you've got goodness, adding good energy, subtracting the toxic energy, and then the habit of intention. I feel like entrepreneurs are better intention than the rest of the population because we know how to just take nothing and turn it into something. And that that's intention. But All of these habits work together. They're all habits of the mind. And 
You know, it's funny when, when I first talk about these habits, I guarantee you there's at least one person listening going, oh my God, I already thought of this. Well, duh, really? Then why are you still unhappy? Because if you thought of it, that's one thing, but the other part is applying it. And they all seemed so obvious to me when I began the research. The more I've gotten into this, the more I realize, oh yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty straightforward in name. But then when the rubber hits road, oh, that's hard because our self-talk doesn't sound like that. We think it does. So that's crazy. Give us an example of one of them like, and how like, you created a habit out of it. Yeah, sure. So, well, we talked about weight before and how I always used to look at my mom, always looking in the mirror at herself. She would say mean things, right? So I learned that behavior and I learned it young. And so I was always on a permanent diet. I had a running narrative on my head that said, you must weigh yourself every day. That's a toxic thought. And that's a negative habit I had. You must weigh under 120 pounds to be beautiful or a man won't want you. You must fit into your clothing and have it look perfect on you or you are not good enough. If your suits are tight on you, they will not buy from you because you are not good enough. This is such crap. Okay. None of it is true, by the way. I can't even tell you the millions of dollars I made being overweight and all that other stuff. This was just a terrible like narrative that was running in my head. And I'm the one that installed the program. This is a terrible program. I don't want this. Like, let's wipe the drive and start over. So that is unkindness, what I just described, but the opposite is kindness. And it's so much harder than we think. And what kindness looks like in action is, okay, so I'm 10 pounds overweight. Go buy a bigger skirt. You got a juicy booty, get moving. Like, they're going to buy from you because of your brain, not your butt. Get going. Like, you're still beautiful no matter what you look like because your beauty comes from within. Or I don't need to weigh myself every day because my mom did. I'm awesome as is regardless of my weight. Or I'm going to crush the sales meeting today. I believe in myself, blah, blah, blah. Kindness has to be a habit and it's not for most people. And I lived in the dark side of this for ages. Now I look in the mirror, right? I get bags under my eyes because I'm tired or I get like, lately I've had this weird rash around my eyes and I'm like working with somebody on this. And it's like, huh, it's so easy for me to have that instant thought of, oh my God, I look like crap, right? That's the old unkind script. And I can hear it and I can hear that nagging little voice. But now my new habit is, oh, uh, no, 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 no. I am still amazing as is. This is an issue. I'm, re- I'm resolving it. And I am still worthy. I am still a beautiful human. I'm great. Also, pipe down, little jerk. Go away. You're not welcome uh, here. I always <laughs> say, time to get that nasty bitch off your shoulder, right? Yep. Knock them off. No room for you. No exactly. room for you. That's exactly right. And recognizing that, that's powerful. Because you can recognize how many negative thoughts, like ought to not, what does uh, Daniel Amen call them? Ants automatic negative thoughts, right? Automatic negative thoughts. And then they're programmed into us, uh, designed maybe initially to keep us safe, but they're destructive in community and destructive for our our genuine happiness. I found a statistic that's going to blow your mind. You ready for this? I was doing some research for my talk and I I love data. Ooh, I'm so nerdy when it comes to this stuff. So I, I found this study on the quality and quantity of thought in humans and it was done by the National Science Foundation in 2005, it was determined that on average, humans have up to 60,000 thoughts per day, 
80% of which are negative. And 95% of our total thoughts, which is 57,000, are repetitious. What are repetitious thoughts? Mental habits. So I found that and I was like, oh, well, that's juicy. That's the science that just proved the validity of my work. Thank you very much. Is that really what you want your life to be? Because your habits give you your life. If your habits suck, so does your life. If your habits are amazing, so does your life. Mm, no, that's good. It really comes down to the disciplines and practices that we do on a regular basis. And so creating that shift. So kindness is really powerful. You know, I mean, that is being kind. It's different than being nice. Yes. It is different. They are two different things. Mm-hmm. One is a nurturing parent. One is a bully. Exactly. You know, or manipulative, you know, or, or untrue or, you know, placating or uninterested. I mean, that's the nice part. The kind part really is that it's giving and being authentic and really caring and that sometimes you're kind by being truthful about something that may be hard for the other person to hear or for your, yourself to hear, but doing it in a kind way. And it, there's a line there. It's like, okay, you know, there's, it's a challenge. And so how long does it take? Can we just pick up your book, The Six Habits, and like read them and say, okay, I'm happy? <laughs> Technically, you could decide to be happy today without even reading the book, but nobody seems to do that. I'm deciding, right? I'm happy here with you. Laura, this is good. And our community listening here on the Girlfriend Doctor podcast. So, well, I am hyper present. So, I'm happy in this moment. I'm thrilled. So, this is great. You know, as with any wisdom, you need to apply it. You can learn about the habits as an abstract through the book. And I actually load the book with several like free workbooks and lots of great stuff that you can do to begin your self awareness journey, figure out where you stand now. And, you know, the timeline really depends on. A couple things. One, how stubborn you are and also how stubborn your old negative, harmful, destructive ways are. Like, are they going to go down easily? No. But how bad do you want that happy life? How hard are you willing to fight for it? Are you going to sit with an exercise that uh, comes free with the book? And if it makes you uncomfortable, are you going to power through? Are you going to put it aside because it hurts too much? The people that power through and they're like, no, I deserve joy. I deserve to unpack the crap from the past. I deserve to know why I do this to myself because I deserve to be liberated of it. And the people that are done, just done with the old way, which is just so destructive and not effective, those are the people that can actually see really great results really soon and really early. But the more you resist, the more you hang on to your bad habits because you believe they're helping you, like goodness. Oh, I need the news. I need four hours of it a day. You don't. That's an addiction, but okay. Sure, cling to that. You're just going to be unhappy longer. Like, it's stubbornness. That's it. The more you surrender, which is something this type A boss babe had to learn how to do, the easier it is for you. I hear that. I hear that. I think that surrender, that word surrender, that's, that's a vulnerable word really is. It can bring up a lot of vulnerability, but it's being at that place where you're willing to do the work because it's hard like to feel here where it came from and to think, man, I've been living with that thought for how many years or, or this habit and to release it. So, you know, is there an order to the habits? I have to ask because one through six, you know, I'm very linear. <laughs> I mean, I am also linear. Give me six things to do. <laughs> I might not get past chapter one. <laughs> no, um, they are actually dependent on each other. 
but they are not in a specific order. When I work with people one-on-one for coaching stuff, we might decide on a specific order based on that person's individual makeup and their life. So for me, when I was working on my own personal evolution into my highest self, the person I really love, the woman I'm proud to be, I needed to do so much work in the area of acceptance presence and goodness. I'd actually already been really good at kindness for years. Gratitude, I needed to get a little bit better. Intention, I'm an entrepreneur. It's like, oh, I want something. I just go out and get it and make it happen because that's just how I'm built. Each of us has our own path and it really begins with the awareness piece. I would say, if anything, step one, read the book. Step two, do the work. And then step three, figure out what your habits are that you're the weakest in because I will tell you right now, each of us, you, me, anyone that's listening, you are already good at some of these habits. They might need tweaking, but you're already good in some of them. And you might even be great at one or two. You need to figure out which one is causing you the most pain. Put out the biggest fire and start there. So the order is not my prescription, it's yours. Mm, No, I like that. I like that because just, again, tuning in. So list those six habits again. Kindness acceptance, gratitude, presence, goodness, and intention. Mm, I like that. You know, goodness reminds me of, um, you know, my, one of my favorite, actually my life verse, Second Peter chapter 1, verses 4 through 11. It's, I don't, you know, know to quote too much, but this is one that I was reading during my journey and transformation. And I read this and it starts with like how we start. So it starts with faith and to faith add goodness. Like goodness is that, what is good? Like, what is the good things in our life? And even to recognize that. So with our faith, we have to add goodness and, and to goodness to add knowledge and to knowledge to add self-control. And to self-control, we add perseverance. And to perseverance, we add Christ-likeness. And then to Christ-likeness, add brotherly love and agape love. And so I, I always come back to that because like, okay, I get stuck on that first step, like these stages, that perseverance and self-control. I'm like, okay, you know, like I, I am in this, like how long, you know, stubborn. And you're probably like, do I got it? it? Do I got it? Like still, it's <laughs> like, it's not working. Persevere. You know, can I, can I just go back to my old way of doing things? Persevere. You know, is it was so much easier to take the path of least resistance. Persevere. And, and then with that, like being good to yourself, right? Being that kindness, that kindness speak. And I think these are, these are so powerful. I'm so excited to share your book and your work with our audience, Laura. And you've got a great website and tell our audience how to get a hold of you. And I've, I've got more questions for you, but I want to I wanna share, share your site and share your book with our audience. So it's really easy. If you're up for a challenge, you can try to go to lauradibenedetto.com. Most people can't (laughs) spell it. So I was nice enough to get thesixhabits.com. The word six is spelled out. T-H-E-S-I-X habits.com. You can find me in all my social channels through there. You can buy the book direct from me. I will sign it for you. You can learn about the 90-day habit mastery program. And if you want to work with me one-on-one, that's there too. And it can be anywhere in the world to work with you. We are in the virtual space now. Long as I'm awake, sure. <laughs> yeah, I know. Five hours. You're five hours behind me. Uh, four hours behind me. I'm in 
Texas now versus when I was East Coast time. So Hawaii time. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And and for just listeners, you can see direct. You're not going to beat around the bushes with us. Are you just going to placate us? (laughs) No. Um, Actually, that's that's kind of my reputation. (laughs) <laughs> no, I mean, that, that's my reputation is like, I'm the friend, I will tell you the dress makes you look fat, but I'm also the friend that will help you pick out a great one and make you feel amazing before you step out the door. The thing is, we are a culture largely that shies away from the truth. I love the truth. I believe in the truth. And I believe that, you know, the truth doesn't have to be painful. It's, it's how you lovingly serve someone in kindness and, and deliver the message that someone needs to hear. And Whenever we talk with ourselves, it's so easy to be unkind. And we don't ask for other people's feedback because we're afraid of being hurt by the answer sometimes. And I show people the truth. And the truth itself is painful. I don't need to be a jerk in delivering it. So I will shine the mirror. I will help you see it. I will love you the whole way. I will hold your hand the whole way. I will make sure you feel safe and you can cry the tears you got to cry so you can put it to bed and move on and really step into your version of self that you really deserve to be and the one you've always envisioned. Can you give an example of someone that you've helped on this transformative journey? Yeah, I can. God, so many. I'll give you two. One, um, they're really brief. One is a woman that I was working with in Europe and we finished our work and she was so surprised along the way to learn how her acceptance and kindness had really kept her from living her dreams. She always wanted to travel. She always wanted to be an entrepreneur and she wanted to do all these great things, but she always spent so much time like telling herself, oh, well, I hate sales. I can't do this. People won't want to buy from me. I can't travel alone, blah, blah, blah. And she always set up roadblocks for herself. But once we set her free, she did so much amazing work. She started traveling. She set up a second business. She started selling. She faced her fears. It was incredible. So that's number one. I love number that two. story. I love that. And I like the, the limiting beliefs, right? Going into those limiting beliefs and yeah. then creating positive habits around them. So the other one, she, oh my God, just another incredible human. She, an entrepreneur, I I tend to gravitate and tend to be drawn to a lot of entrepreneurs. And she always thought she was really kind to herself, but she was unable to see how she was massively unkind to herself when it came to business. She would always sabotage. I, I can't do a retreat. I can't create a multi-million dollar enterprise, you know, I'll only be able to achieve like a hundred thousand dollars in sales. And she created her own personal glass ceiling. And unfortunately that had kept her trapped and kept her business very small. And she was frustrated for a long time. And it's amazing. Like the amount of like, I guess like almost uncomfortable, awkward, painful silences where I would show her the light. This is what I see based on what you've said this is where we are. And her just very quietly looking in the mirror, ouch, seeing it, but then really realizing that through ownership, we have liberty because then she could change the narrative. You can't change what you refuse to acknowledge. And she was set free and guess who's off kicking butt and taking names. (laughs) Love it. I love it. Again, set free. That's really good. Liberated from negative beliefs and negative self-talk and recreating the positive, the six positive habits, the six habits that we're going to just 
reach in into our souls and and start practicing and recognizing. I know this is an excellent resource, Laura, and I, I know from writing books, right? These are labors of love. These are labors of love, and so um, that you're putting this forth and so authentic in your journey and and sharing and vulnerable in your sharing. It's it's really powerful. It's powerful stuff. So I, I highly recommend it for everyone listening. Definitely check out thesixhabits.com, Laura DiBenedito's work and taking that next step. So what's that next step? Leave us with like one directive for today. I think I already wrote myself one. What do you care about? What are you scared about? I love that one. So give us another introspective work task. Sure. I think it would be really wise for us to take a look at the entirety of our lives, take an inventory of what's working, what's not working, and then rank the things that are not working and rank the things that are working. Through that, we can actually identify what we care about and what we're scared about. But more specifically, the path to creating a life that more aligns with the one we dream of will begin to reveal itself. It all comes from self-awareness. You cannot become a master of the six habits and set yourself free unless you listen to yourself. You can't, you can't liberate yourself to pursue the things that would really light your soul on fire if you're not aware of what's holding you back. Like You can't do that. Every journey begins with the journey of self-awareness and the courage to seek out the path. Mm, powerful. That's kind of like even just thinking what's working for ourselves and what's not working for ourselves. So I haven't created a list like that. Typically said, who's working for me? Who's not working for me? <laughs> what's working for me? What's not working for me? So I will, I will take this up and I'll be texting you later. <laughs> Text me <laughs> so, as much as you like. I would love to. I just want to thank you again, honor you for your time. And tell me, I always ask guests on my show, what is your morning ritual? Share with us your morning ritual. <laughs> Gets your that day going. I have one. Um, so here's the interesting thing about Laura Di Benedetto. I have a rebellious approach to life. I don't like routine, even though it, te- it seems to work for me and most humans. Um, <laughs> I don't have a morning ritual other than pee, get dressed, make coffee. That's, that's kind of it. Like some people meditate. I love these people. I admire them. I am nothing like them, but I admire them greatly. Wait, you mean you're not drinking Mighty Maca? I mean, what? You know, sorry, man. Yeah, I, I get it. I got to get it to you. I got to get it to you. All right. Yeah. I just <laughs> like, honestly, I've always been the type of person where I'm very like free spirited and I've finally given myself permission to be this way. Cause there's lots of people, Oh, wake up at 4am every day and make sure you exercise for an hour. And I'm like, Nope, Nope. With Nope on top. No, I don't want to do any of that. I want to wake up and I want to see what mood I'm in, how my body feels and go from there. I, I love it. And it's, Made me happy. <laughs> oh my God, you're so funny. You, you know that song? I love this song. My daughter, you know, when she plays it, I just sing it out loud. Like my, and then I'll, I'll answer her in this rhythm sometimes. My name is no. My number is no. My address is no. And I think it's like, if you know, I don't even, I cannot keep. www.no.com. <laughs> it, it's a hysterical song. It's a hysterical song. That's funny. I get that. Yeah. You know what? I just like, so I started my company, my first company at 19. Talk about overachiever. I know you get this overachiever in you. 
Miss Triple Board certified. Yeah, so, right? Like, did I need that? No. Right? Well, you know, you, you are the queen of your own badassery. But at 19, I started a company. And I was always living in like, you should do this and you should do that. And you got to do this because other people and then and then and then I'm, I'm just done. I don't wear suits. I don't do this. I'll go for days at a time without shaving my legs. Can you believe it? Like, <gasps> I what? just, I, so I'm funny. done shooting on myself. I'm done. Done shooting on yourself. That's another, that's a, a phrase to live by. I am done shooting on myself. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's only I want. I want to wake up. No, I want to laze in bed. No, I want to hang out with the cat. No, I feel like learning Italian today. No, I feel like having tea today. I, I won't be getting dressed today. Or no, I will conquer the world today. Today is my day. I get to decide. You get to decide. You get to decide. We get to decide what habits we keep and what habits we release, what's serving us and what's not serving us, and what our next steps are. So, Laura Benedito, I want to thank you for being on the Girlfriend Doctor podcast. I look forward to chatting with you some more and actually coming to visit you when my daughter's there on Maui, on your beautiful island at some point, quarantine lifted, God willing, in the near future. And I look forward to just continuing our conversation. Thank you for this work that you're putting out in the world. And thank you for being here today. Truly a pleasure. Thank you so much. What a powerful discussion and so much fun girlfriend time with Laura. We really dug into some personal good information here and some empowering practices to really take home. The first one being, what do you care about and what are you scared about? And the other thing is she said is what's working and what's not working, make that list. And and from there, you can really see what you do care about and what you are scared about and what's resonating truth to you as we dose ourselves with good, powerful goodness. So I want to thank you for being part of my community and listening here on the Girlfriend Doctor podcast and sharing your journey and your stories with me as well. Please don't hesitate to reach out and let me know what you need help with. Where can I help you? Because remember, I am here for you. I am your Girlfriend Doctor. Bye till next time.